Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our midweek service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. Yeah, praise the Lord. You know, your pastor is a tremendous blessing in my life. He's always uh, uh, been there as a friend. But he's also been, you know, a hindrance. Amen. As a Raider fan, he texts me all throughout the year, you know, telling me about Antonio Brown. Amen. I'm like, come on, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. I told you. I told you. I told you. You ain't no good. Praise the Lord. Amen. So your pastor's awesome. Come on. Let's give Lord praise. Amen. And uh, come on. 30 years of ministry. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so I thank, thank you, Pastor Omar, and, and let the amen for having uh, me here tonight. Amen. It's truly a joy and an honor to minister uh, here at Praise Chapel Paramount. Amen. Now, before I get into the Word of God, I want you all to please stand with me one more time. I know you've been standing, uh, going back and forth, but I want you to close your eyes with me. Amen. And I want you to lift your hands right now to the Lord as a sign of surrenderance, and let's pray. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Almighty God. Father, we just want to say thank you so much, Lord, for all that you are doing in this place, God. For the Bible says, God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Lord, we sense your presence here in a very tangible and very real way. And because you are here, God, we know that great things are going to take place and they're already taking place. And so I pray that tonight, God, that the word that you placed in my spirit, God, that, Lord, that it would supernaturally be imparted into every heart and mind in such a way that they can look back 10 years from now and say, man, that, that night my life was forever changed. And so I pray over everyone right now the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, God. Let the eyes of everyone's understanding be enlightened and give everyone ears to hear what your spirit is saying to them personally. And, Lord, I confess my uttermost dependency upon you. For I know that, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing, but through you, I can do all things. And so, Lord, I receive the anointing, the wisdom, the words to speak tonight. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I don't have to worry about what I'll say in this hour because you will give me the words to speak. I thank you for that promise. I stand upon that promise. And so, Lord, in this place, we pray continuously for your kingdom to come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this house, we declare that, Jesus, you are Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. You are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen? Now, before I really get into the message tonight, amen, I, I want to ask you all a couple questions. <clears throat> and, you know, it's important when, you know, I ask you these questions, amen, that you're honest. And, and questions are really good to ask ourselves because they help us to really examine where we're really at. Can you say amen? And so the first question that I want to ask all of you tonight is, is simply this. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Hello? Let me ask you another question. When was the last time you personally led somebody to Christ that you preached to. Hello? See, 
The reality is, and statistics will say, even in Praise Chapel, that most people are not sharing their faith and even leading people to Christ. That's the reality. And this is not good because souls are the number one thing on Jesus' heart. Some of the last words that he spoke, amen, before he ascended into heaven was what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hello, somebody. This, this is what he, 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 he stressed the point to them, to preach the gospel. And so this is something that needs to be a high priority in our lives. But unfortunately, in the body of Christ as a whole, this is not so. But I'm believing God that through tonight's message, amen, that there's going to be a, a stirring, amen, inside your spirit once again for evangelism. Hello. Once again, amen, to look outside the church walls, amen, and preach the gospel. That it becomes something that's a lifestyle. That's something you do not just when the church calls an outreach. Hello. But it's just a part of your normal, everyday life. Amen? So with that being said, the title of my message tonight is simply this. They can put it on the screen. A cry from hell. Amen? A cry from hell. Now, I want to warn you that I will be talking, amen, a lot about hell. But this message is not... Uh, a gloom or doom or a turn or burn kind of message. This is not a beat the sheep message. This is not a type of message that after you leave this place that you're going to walk out here like this. Hello. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's, that's not the purpose of this message, amen. In, in reality, even too, as believers, personally, it shouldn't bother us talking about hell. Because we're not going to go there. Hello? So personally, it shouldn't bother us to talk about hell. Because as believers, we, we should know like Paul that he talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if hell, so for us believers, personally, hell, the conversation or the study of hell shouldn't bother us personally. But it should bother us for the loss. It should stir within inside of us a passion to reach them. See, in reality, what I want you to know that tonight, tonight's message is a love message. A message to stir love with inside of you for the loss. Hello? Because you're already saved, amen. If you've called upon Jesus and you've given your life to him, you're signed, sealed, and delivered, baby, amen. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. But those around you who do not know Jesus, their names aren't there. And they need you to step out of your comfort zone and tell them about this amazing grace that you've experienced. Can you say amen? Now I know that some teach, false teaching, that hell is the common grave for mankind where people go when they die and they're not conscious there. And that there is no torment for unbelievers in hell. Un unbelievers just simply cease to exist. But by the end of tonight's message, there's no way that anybody could really believe that if you just read the scriptures. So let's set a foundation tonight 
by reading Luke chapter 19, verses 19, Luke chapter 16, 19 through 31. Let's listen to some of the words that Jesus spoke. Hello. Look what he says here. Now a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now, catch this, he is comforted and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fix. So that, that those who want to pass, those who want to pass, those who want to pass from here to you cannot. Nor can those there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Amen. Now the first thing I want to uh, I want to say is that the rich man was not condemned because he was rich. He was condemned because he put his trust in his riches, not the Lord. Can you say amen? Now, as we read, listen to this. As we read, this rich man, when he was in Hades, you got you to gotta really picture this. He's in Hades, friend, in, in a place of, of, of torment, and, and, he's, and he's tormented there. He's being tormented, and he's crying out. And because he's in torment, because he's in this horrible, horrible place, he says, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Send him to my loved ones. Send him to those that I care about. Why? Why? He says, for my five, five brothers, that he may testify them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Hello, somebody. He's here in, in the place of Hades. He's tormented. He's in the flame. And, and this is the picture here. And he said, oh, my gosh, man. I don't want my family. I don't want my loved ones. I don't want anybody to come to this place. Send them back to them to tell my family, amen, about God. Tell them about the way of salvation so they don't end up in this place. I don't want no one to end up here. Hello. Listen to me, friend. 
This may have been the cry, amen, of this rich man. But let me tell you, this is the cry of everyone right now in Hades. This, we're reading about this man's cry, but I'm going to tell you, every single person that's in Hades right now, that's their same cry. That they don't want no one to join them. They don't want no one to come to such a place like that. They wouldn't want no one to go there, not even their worst enemy. Because it's the worst place imaginable. And we as believers who know what the Bible teaches about it, we shouldn't want anyone to go there either. Our knowledge of it should cause us to step out of our comfort zone and share the love of God, the hope of Christ with others. Can you say amen? You know, look on the screen here. I, I, I want to read this screen here by William Booth. Amen. This is one of the most powerfulest statements I've ever read. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, once said he wished that every one of his soldiers, and he, he was like a pastor, and so, so that would be like you guys, the soldiers. He wished that every one of his soldiers could spend five minutes in hell, for they would then come back with a greater burden for those around them. He said, look it, man, you know what? I wish you could just spend five minutes in hell. Because if you spend five minutes in hell, with that experience, you come back telling everybody about Jesus. You would say, man, you don't want to go here. This is the worst place imaginable. You don't want to go there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he says, man, I just wish you spent five minutes there. Because if you had spent five minutes there, man, you would be telling everyone about Jesus. You would be sharing, amen, the way to, not, to, to escape such a place. Hello, somebody. This is the kind of passion, amen, that God wants us to have. And this is the kind of passion I'm trying to stir with inside of you by taking a simple look about a reality of hell. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a, 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 some made-up thing. This is a reality. Either we believe the Bible or we don't. Hello? This is a reality. Can you say Amen. When I watched the testimony of Bill Weiss, his testimony is uh, 23 minutes in hell. I tell you, it had a really major impact on my life when I first time I watched it around 10 years ago. At that time, I was working at Safeway, which is a grocery store. And I remember uh, in the produce department I used to work, after I seen that, I was so just impacted by his testimony that I just couldn't help but just look at all the people and just kept thinking about their eternity. I just, I, I, their eternity was on my mind. Hello, somebody. Because the reality is that many, many people all around us are heading to a real hell. Huh. That ought to bother you. And it troubled me. Amen? See, eternity needs to be on our minds. When I meet people, you know, I may be smiling, like, how you doing? God bless you. But in the back of my mind, I'm plotting how to tell them about Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, hey, 
God bless you, but I'm thinking, how am I going to share Jesus with them, amen? You know, they don't know. I'm, you're getting set up, homeboy, amen? I'm about to get you, amen? Yeah, yeah it's, it's the truth. Why? Because this is real to me. This is not a game. Now, I know that this is not a popular subject to be taught and talked about in church. I I understand that. But do you realize that Jesus talked more about hell than anyone else in the Bible? I mean, that means this Jesus that we're singing to, this Jesus that we're praising, if he were to be our guest speaker, hello, we got Jesus Christ as our guest speaker tonight. And he walked up here and he preached here a couple times. Just maybe he would talk about hell. Just maybe. Of course he would. Our guest speaker, Jesus Christ. What's crazy is in many places, not here, the Jesus of the Bible wouldn't even really be accepted on many pulpits. I'm just saying. And so, and when he talked about hell, he talked a lot about it in a warning manner. Let's talk, let's look what our Jesus who we're singing to said. The Jesus we worship, the Jesus we're bowing down to, the Jesus we're getting excited about. Let, let's see what he says about it. Let's, let's just see. I, I'm just curious. Let's watch this. Let's see. Look what he said, Matthew 18, 8 and 9. Look what he says. He said, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. I'm asking to win some crowds, isn't it? It is better for you to to enter into life lame and maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you. It is better for you. Hello? To enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and to be cast into hell fire. He's saying, man, as as extreme as that may sound, cutting off your hand, plucking out your eye, he said, you're better off doing that than ending up in hell. (laughs) Yeah, lowly Jesus said that. Our Jesus. All right, I heard you worshiping earlier. What's going on? It's okay to preach the Bible still in church, right? All right. I know I'm in Praise Chapel, Paramount, right? Where the Holy Ghost is at, amen? See, if Jesus talked about hell and warned people about it, shouldn't we as believers? Again, it's not some fairy tale or, you know, where bad people end up, right? No, it's a real place where people are really tormented forever and ever. Now, the first thing I want to say, that was kind of my introduction, praise God, amen. (laughs) Hi, Pastor Ralph is my name, praise God, God bless you, hallelujah. 
In the New Testament, there are two Greek words that the King James Version uh, often translates as hell. And the two Greek words are Hades and Gehenna. And as we read in Luke chapter 16, 23, the rich man was being tormented in Hades. Say Hades. The King James Version would translate that word as hell. Now Hades is actually the place that unbelievers go to now. And when, uh, and when they die, not the lake of fire. But as we read, Hades is still a place of torment. Unbelievers will not actually go to the lake of fire until after the millennial reign of Christ when unbelievers will be resurrected to stand before God at the great white throne judgment. We can find that in Revelations 20, verse 11 through 15. Look what the Bible says. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And when they were judged, each one according to his works, then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we see that Hades will be cast into the lake of fire, which is Gehenna. So as these scriptures make clear, Hades is the temporary place for the unsaved, and Gehenna will be the eternal home of the unsaved. I mean, put it this way, Hades is like someone going to jail awaiting their judgment to go to prison, right? So unbelievers go to Hades, a temporary holding place, awaiting their judgment to cast them into the lake of fire. Amen? That's what's, hap that's what, that's what's happening. So one man writes this, from the Lord's description, we learn that Hades has two sections. Look on the screen here. A paradise portion called Abraham's bosom and a punishment portion. It is believed by many theologians that our Lord emptied the paradise part of Hades when he arose from the dead and returned to the Father. We know that today paradise is in heaven where Jesus reigns in glory. Can you say amen? Now, let's look real quick. Uh, this is important. Let's look real quick at the Greek word Gehenna, okay, which is hell, the lake of fire, the future eternal home of the unsaved. Now I want you to look at this right here. Look at the screen here. It says, hell, also translated Gehenna, the Greek form of the Hebrew phrase that means the vale of Hinnom, a valley west and south of Jerusalem. In this valley, the Canaanites worshipped Baal and the god of Molech by sacrificing their children in a fire that burned continuously. In the time of Jesus, the valley of Hinnom was used as the garbage dump of Jerusalem. Go to the next slide. Into it were thrown all the filth and garbage of the city, including dead bodies, animals, and executed criminals. To consume all this, fire was burned Constantly, maggots worked in the filth 
when the wind blew from the, that direction over the sea, its awfulness was quite evident. At night, wild dogs howled as they fought over the garbage. Keep going. Jesus, now you got to look at it. Jesus used this awful scene as a symbol of hell. In effect, he says, do you want to know what hell is like? Look at Gehenna. So hell may be described as God's cosmic garbage dump. All that is unfit for heaven will be thrown into hell. Amen? Again, as believers, this doesn't affect us personally. But for those that are unbelievers around us, this should cause us to be like, my gosh, I don't want no one to go to that place. So I need to say some things because faith, faith comes by what? And hearing by what? Right? How should they hear without a preacher? Tell your neighbor, you're the preacher. Now someone may be asking themselves, how can a loving God send any person to a place like hell? How could a loving God do that? And that's the kind of question we get all the time. I mean, I, I see what the Bible says about hell, but how could a God of love send somebody to a place like that? Alright? Well, to answer that question, I want to first start off to stress the fact that hell was not made for mankind. Matthew 25, 41 says, then he will also say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed in the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So we see that God, listen to me, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. God never intended one person, amen, to go to hell. That was not part of God's original purpose and plan for mankind. Hello? As we're going to see, people end up in hell because of their refusal to receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid for when he died on the cross for the sins of the world. Look on the screen here. Salvation simply means the act of saving or protecting from harm, risk, loss, destruction, deliverance from the power, and the penalty of sin, redemption. Romans 6.23, look what it says. It says, for the wage of sin is what? Death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the main reason, listen to me, this is very important that you hear what I'm about to say. The main reason that God has to judge sin is because he's bound by his word. He has to judge sin. See, to understand this, you have to go back to Genesis 2, 16 and 17, and it's there that that, 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 that God told Adam, he commanded him, he said, look at of all the trees in the garden, I'm paraphrasing, you can freely eat. But of that tree, you cannot eat. Because in the day you eat it, you shall surely what? The moment he said that, he put the wage for sin is death. He says, so the, the day you eat that, you shall surely die. Therefore, the only way sin can be paid for is with what? Oh, now you're getting it. With death. Therefore, there was animal sacrifices to pay the price for sin. Therefore, this is why Jesus had to 
die on the cross for our sins. Are you getting this? Jesus' death on the cross was a legal payment. Therefore, because he, he paid for the price for sin, he can now offer forgiveness freely to all those who would come to him because he paid for it. Are you understanding this? See, God is a God of his word. This is why Jesus had to die for our sins because he had to pay the price for sin to be able to freely and justly offer it to anyone. Are you understanding this? Because again, for the ways of sin is death. Amen? See, this allowed God to justly offer forgiveness of sins to even the worst of sinners without violating his own integrity. That's why if a man will not accept the free gift of salvation that's found in Christ, the only alternative is hell. Amen? Well, let me just say it this way. The Bible talks about three types of death. Amen? Uh, dust you were, dust from dust you were made, dust you shall return. That's physical death. When a person, uh, you know, when Adam sinned initially, what happened when there was spiritual death. Spiritual death is simplified by separation from God. And then there is eternal death, which is eternal separation from God. Amen? So you have to understand that. Does that make sense? So if someone in this life receives Christ and they live with him now, then they'll live with him for all eternity. But if a person rejects Christ and is in this life, continually lives, right, uh, spiritually dead because they're separated from God, right, then they will also physically die and be eternally separated from God. See, what we do with Jesus determines everything. Hello? Are you getting this? See, the reality is, here's the real reality. We all deserve to go to hell. But by God's amazing grace, grace, we're getting a gift we did not deserve. He's, he's forgiven us when we, because he paid for it. Now he offers it, and we ask for forgiveness, and he gives us eternal life. I mean, literally, the moment you receive Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior, instantly you're forgiven for all your sins. Instantly you become. The Bible talks about in John 1, 12, and 13, that as many as receive unto them, he gave the right to become children of God. So the moment you get saved, you became a child of God. Whoa. You also became a citizen of the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about in Colossians 1.13 that we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. We were also sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Whoa. We're getting a whole bunch of things that we did not deserve. We couldn't have paid for those things. Amen. But this is what we became instantly because of what he paid for. Wow. See, when you understand that, you say, whoa, this is amazing grace. I'm getting a gift I don't deserve. I've got eternal life. I'm a son. Amen. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I have eternal life. 
He'll never leave me nor forsake me. My gosh, who deserves that? No one, but he freely gives it. That's amazing grace. See, the more that you realize you're lost, the more you'll appreciate the cross. Hello, somebody. The more you realize you're lost, the more you'll appreciate the cross. That's why you who's realized they've been forgiven much will love much. See, the reason why people lose their first love is because the cross becomes common to them. Hello, somebody. Lose their fire. What? How? Why? How are you going to lose your fire? How are you going to lose your love for God? It's because you lost sight of what he did for you. It's because you made it self-centered. Because you made it about you. See, when a person really understands what he's done for them, their whole life, all they can do is respond by living a life of worship. See, I'm not living to gain his approval. I'm already approved. So the things I do are just a response to what he's already done. And so therefore, my life is a life of worship. Amen? Hello? (laughs) Yep. Come on, just close your eyes. Lift your hands. Say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. For forgiving me. For calling me your own. Thank you that I've become a child of God. Oh, see, some of you don't even, you like saying like, yeah, that's why you lost your first love. Oh, yeah, thank you, I became a child of God, you know. You ought to be worshiping. Come on, we ought to be saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for freeing me. Thank you, Lord, that you've called me your own. Thank you, I have eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Man. God is so good. Look what Billy Graham wrote. Look on the screen there. You kind of skip a little bit. Go to what Billy Graham wrote. He said, will a loving God send a man to hell? The answer from Jesus and the teaching of the Bible is clearly Yes. He does not send man willingly, but man condemns himself to eternal hell because in his blindness, stubbornness, egotism, and love of sinful pleasure, he refuses God's way of salvation and the hope of eternal life with him. Suppose a sick person is sick and goes, excuse me, suppose a person is sick and goes to a doctor. The doctor diagnoses the problem and prescribes medicine. However, the advice is ignored. The advice is ignored. The advice is ignored. And in a few days, a person stumbles back into the doctor's office and says, it's your fault that I'm worse. Do something. God has prescribed the remedy for spiritual sickness of the human race. The solution is personal faith and commitment to Jesus Christ. Since the remedy is to be born again, if we deliberately refuse it, we must suffer the horrible consequences. He already paid for it. We already paid for it. He already made a way. But too many people are like that that sick person. They don't want the answer. (laughs) All right. Are you hearing me today? Understand, church, to act as if God is at fault for sending people to hell 
is the same as blaming a judge and a jury for sentencing a guilty murderer to prison. Would you, would you say, oh my gosh, that's an unjust judge if they sentence a murderer to prison? No, no one would say that. They would say, yeah, of course he did. Of course that judge sentenced a murderer to prison. But all of a sudden, the real just judge, oh, that's not fair. That's not loving. How could he do that? Are you getting this? Look what C.L. Lewis wrote. It's powerful. Look on the screen here. He said, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Amen? See, I want to stress people end up in hell because of the refusal of the free gift of salvation that Jesus paid for when he died on the cross. Church, Satan and his demons chose a long time ago to rebel against God. And for that purpose, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is the result of an act of rebellion against God. And all who rebel in this life against God will also receive the same judgment as Satan and his demons. Think about it. Why should we as humans think that we would, we would ex- receive anything less than what Satan did? Hello? If we rebel against God. All right. I know this ain't popular. I, again, as a believer, this shouldn't bother you personally. Because we're, 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 we're saved. If you're a believer. Right? But this should bother you. Like, man, I'm thinking about my coworker. I'm thinking about my unsaved loved ones. I'm thinking about my neighbors. Man, I don't want them to go to hell. So therefore, next time I see them, I got to find a way at least to invite them to church. Bible study. Something. Hand them a track. Something. Right? You know... I'm not going to go there. i got no time for that. Praise God. I, hallelujah. Let me, woo, help me, Lord. All right. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me speed this up. I'm going to jump a little bit here. Matthew 8, 28, 29. It, it talks about how demons even know there's an appointed judgment. It says, when he had come to the other side to the country... There met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could put pass, the, uh, pass away. And suddenly they cried out, saying, watch this. What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? They knew of an impending torment that was coming their way. Catch this. Church, hell is a place of emotional, spiritual, and physical torment. As we read already in, in, in Luke 16, 24, the rich man was tormented in a flame. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't unconscious. He was totally conscious. Listen to this. He could see. His tongue had filling. He, he was able to speak. And he still 
had memory. Are you catching that? In Hades, in a place of torment. You got to imagine this. He, he can see, his tongue had filling, he could speak, he had memory, and he's in this place of torment. Hello, somebody. See, hell is a place of eternal regret. Look what Matthew 8, 12 says. Jesus, well, Matthew 8, 12, Jesus says that where there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. When you make a decision that you regret, you grind your teeth in anger and frustration. That's what it means to gnash your teeth. Hell is a place of eternal regret. Everyone in Hades right now is regretting why they didn't listen to that preacher. They're regretting why they hardened their heart. They're regretting for playing church. They're regretting for not fully surrendering their lives to Christ. They're regretting backsliding. They're regretting these things. It's a place of eternal regret. They're, they're, it's tormented. I, I can't believe I didn't listen to that preacher. I can't believe I backslid. I can't believe I sold my soul for temporary fix. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe now I'm stuck here forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Never leaving. I'm never leaving this place of torment. No matter how much I want to, Abraham said you can't cross over. This is a reality. This is why Jesus spoke of it in a warning manner. Because you don't want to go there. Amen? I'm going to bring this down. I hope this sermon... brought a reality to you and awakened your spirit to cause you to want to pray more for the loss, to pray more for that struggling brother or sister, to reach out to them, to step out and say, man, you know what? I need to leave the 99 go after that one. To forgive those who you're all offended and tripped out on. The Bible said if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I fear that there's going to be a people that went to church all their lives, paid their tithes, went outreach, and got involved in all kinds of things, but ignored dealing with the unforgiveness in their hearts, and they're going to stand judgment for God and say, and he's going to say, you know what? You didn't forgive, so you won't be forgiven. The Bible tells us there's going to be many other days that say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name, that in your name? He said, I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness, depart from you, depart from you who practice lawlessness. That's the worst thing you could ever hear. See, God is serious about our hearts. Again, I'm not trying to get you to walk out here like this. Man, the amazing thing about God is in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That quick. Our God is a God of moments. I wish I could have brought a nicer message this tonight, but this is why I felt God wanted me to speak. 
Amen? I know it's not going to be like one of those ones like, hey, Pastor, bring Pastor Ralph back. Man, that was, you know. <laughs> We're like, no, that was too much fire. <laughs> I hope this caused you to pursue to live holy lives. I hope this caused you to stir you to want to preach more to the lost. Listen to me. I, here's, the, here's, here's where the title of the message comes. A cry from hell. The cry from this rich man was that someone would be sent to his family. There's people in Hades right now wishing that someone would go to their family. That someone will go reach them because they don't want them to end up there. And here's the question we got to ask ourselves. Can those in Hades depend upon us, depend upon me, you, to go preach to their loved ones? There's a cry from hell right now. Someone please reach my family. There's even people living today that are interceding for their loved ones that someone would just go to their family and preach to them. Let us not be like the, the Levite and the priest in the Good Samaritan story that just walks by the wounded. That just walks by them. Oh, we're just about my religious business. You know what I'm saying? Bless God. Hallelujah. And we forget about the very thing that is most important to God. Souls. So again, I ask you, when was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you won somebody to Christ? I'm not going to bring you on the stage and have you answer. But that should bother you. If you think like, dang, I've been saved 10 years and I've never led no one to Christ. Then am I really obeying the number one thing in my Lord's heart? I've been saved for years now and I, I, I haven't led one person to Jesus. Something's wrong with that. Amen. How many are ready to answer the call? Huh? How many are ready to answer the call and say, you know what, Lord, you can count on me. I'm going to start preaching the gospel. I'm going to start winning people to Christ. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.